Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with top leaders in healthcare IT. Today's guest is Yusuf Ahmad. He's president and CEO of AssureCare. Welcome, Yusuf. Thank you, John, for having me. It's my honor and privilege to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm excited to learn more about AssureCare and the work you're doing. So for those that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and AssureCare. Well, I am what people call a one-trick pony. For the last 25 years, I have done nothing except healthcare and what's nice. called the, the tripod of American healthcare, which means large insurance company, large physician group practice, and a large multi-hospital system. So I've been really a, a student of, of healthcare. I've also studied public health at a doctorate level. So I'm a true, true nerd when it comes wow. to healthcare. And that's all I know. And that's all I have done. <clears throat> Came to a short care about six years ago. And it was more of a calling for me. If I could help, you know, I could help 3 million people in greater Cincinnati doing what I did running a health system, uh-huh. or I could impact 7 billion people across the globe doing what I do at a short care potentially. So we build a technology that at its very core helps a human life get connected to its overall healthcare ecosystem. Okay. And I'll talk more about it throughout the conversation, but uh, I've been here almost six years and uh, feels like I was here yesterday. So (laughs) amazing, amazing group of associates, my colleagues, an exceptional group of customers and a very supportive board. So we have, I kind of got lucky. Yeah. Six years in healthcare time is like uh, one year everywhere else. Is that... (laughs) Yeah, six years in tech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've done healthcare for 25 years, and uh, six of them include uh, this short care work um, considered healthcare technology. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, there's something about healthcare. It gets in your blood, and you just can't let it go. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. I, you know, I came from a, a different background. I'm a tech guy, and then I got in healthcare, and you know, there's no leaving now. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I was the only uh, graduate when I graduated with a degree in computer information systems. I was the only one who at the time uh, picked a podunk industry called healthcare and everybody (laughs) else went to went to more attractive industries like aviation and banking and technology. But 25 years later, when we all regroup as a as a reunion, you know, I, I feel so blessed because it's the largest industry in the country. It's the only industry where a person comes in it's in their most vulnerable form yeah. and they come looking for hope. They, they come looking for care. And it's extremely, extremely rewarding to my soul, whether I was yeah. doing healthcare delivery or now it, it's really, uh, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't know what else to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm married to it for life. Yeah. That says a lot about you. So that's awesome. So, I mean, with all this background in healthcare, you know, what are some of the healthcare market challenges that you're seeing now? And, and what is AssureCare's approach to kind of solving these challenges? A great question, John. We look at uh, macro trends first. So healthcare is, I mean, you, you know, this, uh, these statistics, they're kind of boring now. They, 
people have become immune to them. We spend, you know, between three and $4 trillion. It's about 18, 19% of our GDP. So what? So I take it a take it from a different slice. Okay. Uh, the macro trends are, for example, did you know that every day 18,000 Americans turn 65? And that trend will continue for the next 18 years. Wow. So there is a, a longevity, which is a good problem uh, that's happening in America, a longevity of life, but that also comes with chronicity of disease. Mm-hmm. So that same statistic of person turning 65 your average Medicare consumer is on eight active medications prescribed by six different providers who don't talk to one another. Yep. So that's a, an, a, a macro trend. It's a defined problem that we like to provide solution for to say, hey, let, let us help you care coordinate that because our technology helps with, whether it's a pharmacist, a nurse, a physician, or a social worker, help your care care be coordinated through the platform. So we look at macro trends. That's one of the challenges. Cost mm-hmm. is very high. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I've been a healthcare, both student and a leader, and my healthcare costs for my employees and their dependents keep going up. So I think instead of being payers of healthcare, we need to start acting like buyers of healthcare and demand mm-hmm. a reduction in cost and improvement in access to care and an improvement in engagement of care. You know, those yeah. are. So give me an example of that. I mean, you're right about coordinating the care. And, you know, I, I through my, my work with my church, meet with a lot of older people. And it's amazing how much their lives revolve around healthcare. It's like their social network is their doctors that they visit each week. It's kind of kind of crazy, right? But you know, give us an idea. What can AssureCare do to kind of help solve some of this care coordination problem? Sure, sure. So I'll preface it by saying my response that most of healthcare solution today is provider centric. Mm. You know, your average doctor's visit yeah. is 15 minutes long, irrespective of the severity of the patient. It's how he or she gets reimbursed, which is shocking. And our technology, why we are different is because we are member centric. We actually follow the human being. That is why we get to inculcate what's called social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. These are factors that have a higher impact on health outcomes more than what your genetic code lends to you to do or what physicians and hospitals do to you. So where you live, your zip code is a better predictor of will you survive a heart attack? Are you in a safe relationship or are you in an abusive relationship? You know, most people don't know that for seniors, the biggest cost item is isolation. Yeah. When was the last time you heard a doctor talk about Mrs. Smith being isolated at home and what to do about it? You know, uh, people say, go work out in your neighborhood. Well, is the neighborhood safe? Yeah. Is English your first language? Are you able to understand what is being communicated to you? You know, race, ethnicity, language. You know, I'll give you one example. I am... Uh, I'm not a, uh, you know, proud of this fact, but in Cincinnati, Ohio, everything else adjusted for, my, by that I mean education, household income, et cetera, a uh-huh. black male diabetic in Cincinnati, Ohio, a black male diabetic is six times less likely to receive the proper diabetic care compared to his Caucasian counterpart. The sad part is the same statistic 
applies in every other metropolis of America. And we have had electronic medical records for 25 years. It's because they were built with the provider in mind. What we are building is with the consumer in mind, with the patient in mind, with the care receiver in mind. So we follow the member. And that's a key distinction in, in what we bring as a solution to the, to the industry. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, in this space, there's, there's a lot of, I, I would kind of describe as population health vendors, right? Understanding the population, the social determinants of health, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of vendors in that space that you're really working in. What makes you different from maybe some of the other vendors in this space that are, are really attacking similar problems? I think the, f- the first thing is about being member centric. And I agree there are a lot of players. We are also considered a population health um, solutions provider. I would also say we are a population health market maker okay. because you can't just go value-based care 100%. I think the fact that we come from the industry uh, brings a lot of credibility. You know, I, I ran a, a large multi-billion dollar health system before I came to Assure Care. Okay. That means, for example, I'll give you one small uh, you know, stat that might be helpful to you as a consumer of healthcare. I know you're also a great researcher, John, from what I've been edified by, by, by my team. So a lot of companies will ask if I'm a payer and my patient, my subscriber gets admitted to a hospital, share that information when they're being discharged. Mm-hmm. Where we are different is we will say, hey, we want to sh- get that information upon admission. Mm. So that if you get the information upon admission, you can help influence length of stay. You know, you don't want yeah. an unnecessary length of stay. Extra day costs you between fifteen and twenty-five thousand dollars. And we know, running hospitals, that an unnecessary stay, you're also prone to what's called an iatrogenic error. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in a hospital unnecessarily. Yep. Absolutely. So th- that's kind of a distinction of how we come about. The industry knowledge, technology is member centric, inculcating social determinants of health, being real time. We like mm-hmm. to be as real time and not batch process. So having a real-time interface with the hospital, a real-time interface with a health information exchange is something we do. Uh, connecting remote patient monitoring devices. You know, today's iWatch uh, can tell you the EKG, can tell you blood pressure, can tell you your heart rate. It's all FDA approved. So let's yeah. leverage that uh, within an everyday life of a consumer without being a fear monger. Yeah. Well, we're just getting started down that route. Uh, although, you know, I've been watching the evolution over a decade. Um, but yeah, it's it's happening. Finally, <laughs> it's here. So, you know, it was interesting. You're right. I, I like to research this area. I love this. And when I was looking at uh, SureCare, I found it fascinating that you work across payers, providers, and then also pharmacies. And the odd one out there for me, right, is the pharmacy. Like, tell me about your work with pharmacists and, and how do you see that role in, in all the work you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, I am so humbled and honestly thrilled with the work we're doing in the pharmacy area. So think about this. I call the pharmacist in America the most underutilized clinician. Often they have a PharmD degree, which is a six-year degree. But until a few years ago, they could barely be allowed to give a flu shot. <laughs> Yet an eighth grade educated medical assistant could give you all kinds of injections and vaccinations. Now that has changing. Uh, yep. COVID, the pandemic has provided a positive impetus into allowing the pharmacists to do a lot more practicing at the top of their license. So that's from a, from a scope perspective, but from a cost perspective, 
after your hospital cost, the second highest cost item are drugs, are your medications. You know, nine out of 10 Americans live within five miles of a community pharmacy. And a pharmacist is a very trusted resource. Yeah. You know, we frequently see our pharmacist more than we see any other care provider. So I always thought before I came to Assure Care, you know, why is that this such an underexplored, undertapped, untapped area? Because a pharmacist is a very qualified specialist, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So when I came to Assure Care, my very first week, I said, you know, we've got to provide a, a, a solution to the pharmacy world. And we created a platform called Medication Therapy Management, also known as RX Care. Because of the statistics I mentioned, I gave you that, that Medicare example, right? 66% of adults today are taking five or more drugs. Think about it. 66% of the population and 27% of the population is taking 10 or more drugs provided by different prescribers and providers. So a pharmacist kind of becomes the default quarterback. Sure. And I feel like uh, you'll see a lot more uh, allowance, acceptability, admission, and encouragement by payers, the government to say, we'll allow the pharmacist to do a lot more. And mm-hmm. then in many parts of America, there's tremendous maldistribution between physicians and population density. Yeah. So they also h- help address that aspect. And, I, and you're seeing today that more and more payers are now reimbursing pharmacists. Because if, I can, if, if a pharmacist can help me coordinate my drug regimen, and it keeps me away from a sentinel event, ending up in an ER, then it's really better for everybody. It's first of all, better for the patient, but it's better for the payer from a cost perspective. It's better for the employer. I get back to work sooner. A lot of multiple beneficiaries. So pharmacy is an area where, you know, we, we feel like uh, we, we took the lead when a lot of people told us, hey, stick in the payer side. And that's the more, but again, from a macro trend uh, interpretation perspective, this was an area to be. And there's more coming. There's pharmacogenetics coming. Yeah, for you know, sure. I mean, you're a handsome Caucasian man, John. I'm a Mediterranean uh, dude. We would process the same drug differently purely because of our DNA. Yep. There's also nutrigenomics coming. We process the same food item completely differently because of our, our genetics. That's an area we'd like to explore in the future here also. No, I can't wait for pharmacogenomics to mature, right? Uh, it's showing some good promise. I think your comments though about the pharmacists are fascinating. I think of just a couple examples that, you know, I'm spoiled working in healthcare. I'm sure you know this as well, that, you know, I worked in a healthcare organization where there was a pharmacy and I was supporting the pharmacy. And so I, there were a couple of times where I went to the pharmacist to understand what had been prescribed for my son and, and for my ex-wife, right? Like I went to them and, and asked him, right? And, and so it was interesting to your point that there's a trust relationship there with a pharmacist. And luckily he could take the time because he was my friend and I worked with him, right? But he took the time and he improved my compliance and my, my family's compliance with what was prescribed. Cause I had some fears that weren't addressed in that 15 minute quick office visit that, that I didn't even know what to ask. Cause they just prescribed it. Right. But now I'm with the calm of the pharmacist. I'm like, so what are the risks for my child of taking this drug? So I, I think there's, a, there's a real opportunity there as you kind of described. Absolutely. And especially in the retail setting, yeah. there's a lot of chaos. You have the pharmacy tech, you have the pharmacist, you have, some other junior person. And we want to make sure that our platform allows the pharmacist to be more patient facing and anything's like 
prior authorization on the phone with the payer, the pharmacy tech can handle it. The other area that we uh, that drives me, motivates me, John, is I am blessed to live in a place in greater Cincinnati where from a mango to a hard drive comes to my home in 30 minutes from ordering. Wow. Yet a first-time cancer recipient you know, cancer patient gets their drug within 21 days from the time it's ordered. That is unconscionable. That should be unacceptable. And they have to go through all kinds of hoops, you know, getting it approved from the specialty pharmacy or the payer. So I think, I think the next generation will be a lot less tolerable and they're a lot more intelligible in saying, hey, we expect a bit more service and give me an ETA. My oncologist ordered the drug. Has it been dispensed? Is it on a truck somewhere? Has it reached the infusion destination? When do I get it? So that's another area where we are trying to help our customers who are retail pharmacies, specialty pharmacies to, to be a bit more of service because we can afford them the technology to do so. <laughs> Funny you say that literally on my desk right here, I have a, uh, something I may do for my knee that has to be ordered from a specialty pharmacy. And they're like, yeah, expect two weeks at least. <laughs> I'm like, All right, yeah. That's, yeah. that's great news. But um, yeah, let's shift gears a little. I mean, you talked a little bit about the issue of patients really not being the center of the care continuum in much of healthcare. What are you doing to kind of change that and to, to make the healthcare system less just disjointed? I think bringing data from disparate sources and creating what we call a universal health record is something we're working on. Um, is I that possible? A universal health record? I mean, that. I've been pushing for that for a long time, but you know, it's like, ah, and I think it's people like people like you and your ilk who are going to make that happen because most of healthcare recipients are, have been at the behest of what is offered. They haven't been as demanding. I mean, think about, have you ever seen a hospital bill? It's complicated. (laughs) You know, I have a doctorate, three masters, two fellowships, and I ran a health system and I cannot figure it out. So we point of that is, we make healthcare complicated, I think, intentionally. Yeah. We've got to be as intentional in making it simplified, right? There are other things that have to be brought in in that universal health record. For example, nutrition. You know, food as medicine is a concept that is, that is proven. And then there are certain chronic diseases that are contained because of food. I'll give you one example just to make a finer point. You take multiple sclerosis. It's an autoimmune disease. It's a Caucasian disease for the most part. People are vitamin D deficient. Uh, It's discovered initially through a MRI. You see spotting on the brain. Mm -hmm. It's confirmed through a spinal tap. And the treatment is $50,000, $60,000 a treatment per drug, whether it's Tasabri or Ocrevus, once a month or every six months treatment. But the only other way to contain MS is through a gluten-free diet. Yet the nutrition world and the proper healthcare delivery world are so disjointed. We like to bring it together. And you can also be, you can also have excessive nutrient overload, what I call. You know, that's, that's also kind of been, been proven. And you can also be deficient. So vitamin A deficiency in children can lead to blindness. Hmm. But vitamin A deficiency in adulthood is not as harmful. So, but I feel like the, the, in my observation of 25 years, the healthcare delivery side have treated the nutrition side as a one-off. 
just like behavioral health has been treated as a one-off. These have to be embedded in the everyday delivery of care. And that's why I feel like creating a universal health record has to show price transparency, has to show other consumption that I take, not just my medication. It has to show what food am I ingesting? Mm-hmm. You know, do you know your macronutrients? That what people know carbs, proteins, fats. Okay. Do you know your micronutrients? What vitamins and minerals are essential? You know, yeah. so I think part of that will be educating in a soft hand-holding manner, uh, the ultimate consumer. But I think people like you and others have to demand that, have to expect that, hey, guys, I'm sick and tired of always being the last person to know about my own health versus being proactively informed and having a view of a longitudinal view of your own record that you mm-hmm. control, not your clinical team. Yeah. Not to be too much of a cynic, but the challenge with the nutrition is there's no money to be made off of a gluten-free diet. Right? I mean, like, I think that, I mean, that's some of the challenge, right? Is that the nutrition doesn't, you know, are, you know, and that's maybe why we need to push towards the value-based care in a bigger way. No, I totally agree. And I think you will see um, some of these retail giants. I will not name them by brand, sure. uh, but I, I believe you will see them starting next year in partaking in value-based relationships, because in some parts like California, groceries are a covered benefit, you know, air conditioners are covered benefits, you know, Um, humidifiers for asthmatics are covered benefits. But I think uh, because we in healthcare have, I don't know if it's intentional or not, chosen to neglect the nutritional world, that blending is going to happen soon because, because of the, the MS example I gave you. And, and, And then there are, you know, I mean, so many other examples where you could be excessive nutrient or nutrient deficient and it can cause problems, chronic disease problems. Yeah. So what's next for ShareCare? So for us, we like to kind of continue on the ease of use of healthcare. Uh, And and, and that's one aspect where, um, like I said, if if a mango to a hard drive can come to my home in 30 minutes, why should my back surgery take two weeks to be approved? So mm-hmm. we're working on technology that in the exam room, you mentioned your knee, John, I'll just pick up on that. If you needed something, a scan approved for your knee and you're in your orthopedic or knee specialist exam room and they need an MRI, your pair should approve it right then and there. It should go through an evidence-based check, should go mm-hmm. through a pair policy check, boom. You know, it should approve it or disapprove it with a reason. But you shouldn't have to wait two weeks to get a snail mail letter. So that, <laughs> that's, that's one track. They the can other fax track. it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be shocked how much fax still happens in, still true, in, in right? America. You know? <laughs> we shouldn't we, have to do either. <laughs> yeah. We, so that's one track. The other track is this whole pharmacy track I talked to you about, uh, you know, from, from uh, retail specialty, retail uh, pharmacy, specialty pharmacy, uh, nutrition, bridging, all that a second. Third is coming up with this universal health record. Nice. You know, where we, I'm sure we'll get a lot of pushbacks from some of the establishment, but we feel like the intelligent buyer, not payer of care, the intelligent buyer of care will, will warrant it, will, will accept it, will promote it, will ask for it. Um, we're also looking at artificial intelligence and, 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 and machine learning. You know, we know that it's proven that when a robot reads a mammogram, it has a lot more accuracy than a human radiologist. Nothing against my my compatriot radiologist, but let's just use technology where it's proven. Yep. 
You know, why, why do we have to fight it? Um, I'm shocked that despite all the technology we have in healthcare, the third leading cause of death in America is still medical errors. And I think it's not, it's not so much to blame technology, but I think it's because we haven't engaged the member as much. If you engage the consumer, we still ampu- end up amputating the wrong limb in yeah. America. How is that even possible? Right. Yeah. So I think we have to be less accepting of that. But as we, as we, and we should be asking for more member centric technology. But anytime you, you engage a consumer, health outcomes have been proven to be 30% or more better. You know, simple things like, well, Mrs. Smith, this is how you take a medication. You can score it, you can split it, take it with food. You know, it's going to cause uh, nausea or sleepiness. Don't drive. I think that that humanizing care has to take place a little bit more. I, I want, we want our technology to, to, to enable the, the, the humanization of care, you know, making it more personal. Can I see a record where I have my entire uh, purchase of healthcare, including my nutrition? You know, if I have a health savings account, it should tell me, you know, what's covered in my network. Can, can our technology help navigate healthcare easier? I would, that's, that's also in the works for us. So it's a lot of exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love the vision. I mean, I think many times technology can get in the way, but implemented properly, it can humanize the experience and can allow humans to do what they do best. So I love the vision, Yusuf, and uh, you gave us a lot to think about. So I appreciate you taking the time to share your perspectives and insights. And uh, thanks everyone for watching. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Yusuf. Thank you, John. My pleasure.